Merry Christmas. We are so glad that you've joined us. We started a new series today called Christmas with John, and we're glad that you'll be able to be a part of it. I'm going to speak in just a little bit, and uh, we'll have a chance to share some music at the end, uh, and we would love to have you worship with us. Could you let us know that you're watching today from, from home or wherever you are? If you would take out the North Point app, if you have that, and, uh, and go to the Let's Connect tab and fill out that information and hit submit, that'll let us know that you're with us. If you don't have the North Point app, you can send a text to 94090, that's 94090, and uh, just send a message that says guest NCC, guest NCC. And at the same time, if you'd like to download the app, you can send another text to 94090 and have it say app NCC. And we'll send you a link so that you can grab the app and, and download it to your phone as well. We are so glad that, that you're here and so glad that we're in the Christmas season. So many cool things are going on. Uh, on Christmas Eve, we're going to have a virtual Christmas Eve service this year like we've never had before. We've got a gift uh, for 400 families that will allow them to experience that Christmas Eve service at home with extra gifts that go along with the message. And the way that you'll get that is by being a part of our drive through Christmas light experience called Christmas in Coronaville. Uh, it's going to be very, very cool. It starts on Sunday night, December 20th and uh, last from 6 to 9 on the 20th through the 23rd. Bring your family loaded up, completely COVID safe experience as you drive through, see the lights, get the gift if you're one of the first 400 cars, and, uh, and then you're able to celebrate, celebrate Christmas Eve together in a very, very cool way. Hey, I have an announcement that I wanna let you know if you're part of North Point and, and you're not in the in-person services, a uh, special announcement today, Mark Adkins is going to join our staff as a creative director and online minister. If you're at home and, uh, and if you've stayed there uh, feeling safe, uh, something really cool is going on. Mark is going to join us on staff to be a pastor to the, to the folks who uh, worship virtually and are part of the online experience. Really, really excited about Mark and Julie coming. They'll, they're going to start in January. Before we jump into the message, I'd like to challenge you to, uh, to give financially back to God at this Christmas season because God gave us so much uh, through Jesus. Uh, I want to encourage you to, to be generous uh, as God has been generous. How do you do that? You can, you can uh, mail a check to the church and, uh, and just do it that way. If you'd like to give electronically, the easiest thing to do is to send a text to uh, 77977, 77977 that says NCC Give. Or if you've got the North Point app, you can just uh, give through the app and, and uh, that would be great. There's also a special offering that we're doing this Christmas season that really is just a special Christmas offering to go completely outside of North Point. Uh, we won't keep any of it for ourselves. It will go uh, actually to three different areas to the Greater Lansing Food Bank to help provide food for people who are in need in our local area. It'll go to Habitat for Humanity to help provide housing for, uh, for a family that, that uh, is really struggling right now. And it'll go around the world through an organization called Water 4 that builds wells, but it also builds an economic system associated with the well that really transforms communities. 
Uh, the easiest way to give, uh, you can again do that electronically, but at the tab, instead of uh, where it says tithes and offerings, if you just put uh, Christmas offering there, it's a pull down uh, tab and uh, notate it that way, it will go towards that Christmas offering that again will go outside of North Point completely. Hey, we're ready to jump into the message Christmas with John. How is everybody? Hey, oh, nice. Where'd that come from? No, no one's claiming it now. That's okay. That's okay. Hey, uh, there are some cool things going on. Chris told you about the drive through light experience that we're going to have uh, the 20th and 23rd. Man, start inviting friends. We've got cards that you can use to do that. Uh, I've got some uh, interview stuff with TV and uh, print um, about it that's going to happen tomorrow. And so uh, make that a matter of prayer, too. We, we really want that to be a gift to the community uh, um, and something that, that uh, people can experience this year when everything is kind of different. But uh, before I jump in the message, I, I have some fun news to share. We are going to uh, be adding a new staff member to uh, our North Point staff starting uh, January 1st. Um, Mark Adkins uh, is going to join us as our creative director an online minister. So if you're watching online right now, uh, take a good look at Mark's face. Um, his, his role is really going to be about helping us create the very best uh, delivery of what we experience in person and making it connect uh, to people who are virtual and to not just let them watch, but to let them interact in, in uh, as many ways as they can. Um, really, really excited about Mark and Julie coming. They're originally from Holland, Michigan, so not too far away. They currently live in Jackson. Mark's been on staff at uh, Spring Arbor University, and that's really cool. And I am just um, thrilled, I think, to let you know, as a staff, we really are, we do care about diversity. We want to develop diversity on staff, and, um, and so we are an equal opportunity employer. Um, <laughs> some of you are cheering, right? And others of you are saying, why? They don't even play football anymore. Oh, 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 oh. Oh oh, 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 sorry about that. That was not in my notes. Um, ooh, ouch. We didn't come to church to be abused, Rick. Love us. Oh, I do. I, I, I am very excited about Mark and Julie coming. It's, uh, it's going to be cool. I think they're going to be at the 11 o'clock service. If you are watching online, um, do, do get to know them because uh, Mark's, Mark's just got real, a real passion for helping people who are not here continue to be a part. Uh, of the church, and so that, that's really cool. This Christmas is really different, right? It's uh, a kind of an uncommon Christmas. Uh, for lots of people, you're not going to be able to do a lot of the traditions that you've done in the past, and that kind of stinks. Uh, for many of you, uh, you're probably still trying to figure out, are we going to be able to travel and get together and be together with family? Is that a wise thing to do? And that kind of stinks. It's, it's, there is the sense of, okay, what are we going to do to help this Christmas be special, to be significant? And it really kind of begs the question to ask, why is Christmas so important? Why is it such a big deal around the world? Why is it such a big deal for us personally? Why is it such a big deal um, for us as a church? Is it just about the, tra the traditions? Is it just about 
the trees and the ornaments and, uh, you know, all of that stuff? Is it, is Christmas really just kind of a connection to our past? Uh, how's it, how does it all fit together? Is Christmas just another Hallmark holiday, you know? Um, it's interesting when you look at scripture that the Gospels, the four accounts of Jesus' um, life, all describe the birth of Jesus. They all start differently. It'd be, uh, you would think that they all would, ha- would all have the exact same story, right? But they all describe Jesus' life, his ministry, in a different way. So the book of Matthew starts, and it tells the story of the birth of Jesus, but it tells it from the perspective of Matthew, of Jesus' earthly father. It actually traces the line of Matthew from King David all the way down to Matthew to say, hey, you know what? He is the son of David. He's um, like, the, like they prophesied. Um, so that's Matthew's perspective. Mark is, is interesting. The second gospel, Mark doesn't mess with Jesus' birth at all. He, he just simply jumps in and starts to talk about John the Baptist and about Jesus' baptism and, and just hits the ground running with Jesus' ministry. Luke is the place that we typically go for the Christmas story. It's, uh, in, in chapter 1, it tells about Mary and Mary's perspective and the angel coming to Mary and, and Elizabeth, uh, John the Baptist's mother, and the, you know, their relationship. In Luke 2, it, it, has, uh, it has the traditional uh, text that we use when we talk about um, in those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. That's, that's all Luke 2. Um, Luke 2 is really, really powerful when you look at the details of the Christmas story. But John takes a completely different perspective. John actually takes a step back and says, okay, what's the theological um, perspective of Christmas? Why is Christmas such a big deal? And so that's where we're going to land. That's, uh, that's where we're going to be in this series for the next three weeks, just looking at Christmas with John his perspective and the truths that he share, that he shares. For some of us at Christmas time, we, um, we, we kind of bring, we wrap Christmas into the theology of Ricky Bobby, right? Y'all know Ricky Bobby. You, you know, in that, that scene in Talladega Nights where, where he begins to pray and he prays to little tiny baby Jesus, the little infant Lord Jesus with the, with the, uh, what's it, what, the golden fleece diapers and the little, fat little fists rolled up into balls, right? Um, for many, uh, that's the kind of Jesus that we want. We want this cuddly little Jesus that's there. And John takes a completely different kind of perspective and says, hey, the birth of Jesus on earth was a really, really big deal. Christmas, Christmas with John is not so much about the beauty of the birth, about the shepherds or the star, about candles and singing silent night, but about the magnitude of the manger. How appropriate is that? Um, John says, it's a really, really big deal, accompanied with feedback and everything from heaven. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, uh, take them out, turn to John chapter 1, and we're going to dive into the first five verses, and that's really what we're going to unpack this morning, um, Christmas with John. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was was God. He was, in, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. 
in him, in the word, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness hasn't overcome it. Now, if you grew up in the church, if you've, uh, if you've read this before, you're thinking, oh, yeah, I know what the word is. But for some of you, you're going, wait, 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 wait. What, what is this, what is this, what's the word and how do we know what John's talking about? John actually uses um, a literary device where, where he just kind of teases this idea. And for the first 13 verses, uh, the first two paragraphs, he talks about the word, talks about the word. And it's not until the third paragraph that John says, that John says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son of God, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John says, who's the word? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word. Who's the word? The word is Jesus. John describes this, this uh, relationship that he has with God, that, that, that um, Jesus has with God, and calls him the word of God. Um, that truth is so important for us to grab hold of is that um, Jesus existed before creation with God. That Jesus was with God before creation. Um, he says, in the beginning was the word, in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. Um, Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, this is not our normal Sunday morning thing, but man, let me tell you, you want something to really chew on for a while? Think about what might have existed, what could exist before the beginning. Where, where was God? What was he doing before creation? Our minds can't comprehend that, right? We can't fathom that. We know the Sunday school answer. Oh yeah, God's eternal. He's always been. Jesus was with him. We know that. But when you think, wait a second, how, how do I wrap my brain around that? Because in our minds, the only thing that we know and understand is linear time. There's a beginning and there's an end. From today, we go to tomorrow. We think in time that way. And what John says is before time began, Jesus was with God. In the beginning was the word. Where's, where's your story begin? If I, if I were to sit down and say, hey, uh, hey, Daryl, tell me, tell me when your story started. For most of us would say, oh, you know what? My birth date is X, Y, Z, is this month, this date, whatever. I'm this many years old. That starts my story. And, and think about this. Um, it's kind of relevant for me because a week from tomorrow is my dad's birthday. Uh, he would have been 92 this year, uh, December 14, 1928. Um, uh, just a few days ago, December 3rd, was my grandma's birthday. She would be 122 if she were still alive right now. And I think, I, I, you know, so much of who I am comes through my dad. So much of who I am has been passed down from my, from my grandparents, I can trace my, my lineage back, if you will, to, to uh, my Rubel lineage back to a guy named Hans Peter Rubel, who was born in 1660 and immigrated to the New World, to, to uh, America, in 1734, uh, came through Philadelphia. Did, does my story start there? I, I don't know. 
um, that here's the deal. Jesus' existence, his story doesn't start in, the, in Bethlehem. It doesn't start in the stable. His existence doesn't start with the creation of the world. Jesus was with God before any of that happened. Jesus existed with God eternally. How do we we comprehend that? I don't know. I don't know. But John says that's the case. He says not only was Jesus with God in the beginning, before it all started, Jesus was with God during creation. Jesus was with God before creation. He was with God during creation. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Uh, in, in John, in this first chapter of John and in Genesis 1, we find this concept that we call the Trinity. The word Trinity is never found in Scripture, but this concept is there. It's, it's a concept that God exists in three separate and distinct um, persons, uh, that, beings, whatever it is, and yet they're one. If you're a parent and your kids grew up, Uh, at some point in time, they may have looked at you and said, Dad, can you help me understand the Trinity? Can you help me understand how God could be separate from Jesus and separate from the Holy Spirit, and yet they're one? And if you're a parent, you said, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, You know, uh, how do you answer that kind of question? There are images that help us, you know, uh, depending on the age of your kid, you can say, you know, there's God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. You can say there's an image like an egg, that if you have an egg, you've got a white and a yolk and a shell. And those three pieces together make up the egg. They're three distinct pieces, but they're all one. We can use an image of, of um, water and say water can exist in three different forms. It can exist in the liquid form. Um, it can exist in the solid form as ice. It can exist in the, in the gaseous form as steam, as a vapor. They're all the same, but they're all different. They're all one. The Trinity is a tough concept, and yet we find it in Scripture. In Genesis 1, um, uh, it's recorded, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the earth. So we have, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God is moving over the face of the earth. If you, if you uh, drop down to verse 26, well, let me, let me finish in verse 3. Uh, it, it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Which then echoes back to John chapter 1 when John says, in the beginning was the word. When God spoke into creation, that was through Jesus. Jesus was the instrument that God used to create things. Eight different times in Genesis chapter 1, it says, and God said, and something came into existence. Jesus was the word. Verse 26 of Genesis 1, God said, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and, uh, uh, and birds, all those kinds of things. God said, let us make man in our image. 
that concept of God expressed three different ways and yet unified is there in Scripture. Don't, don't miss this. Jesus is God, all right? Jesus wasn't just with God. He wasn't created by God. Jesus is God. The, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, John says. Separate from God, yet intrinsically is God in substance, in essence, Jesus is God, which makes him come into earth so powerful because you have God, all of who God is, coming to live in a human body and experiencing life as we know it with all of the weaknesses, all of the frailties, all of the stuff of life, fully God and fully man. Everything that was created, everything that we see around us, everything that is a part of us came into being because of Jesus. John says, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Everything came from Jesus. It comes from Jesus. And then John says that Jesus is life and light here on earth. Life and light. In, in him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness hasn't overcome it. Life comes through Jesus. In the New Testament, it's, it's really kind of interesting. There are three different Greek words that are used to describe, that are translated um, as life, all right? Um, there's, there's the word bios in the Greek, which means flesh and blood life, breathing in and out. It's the word that we get biology from, the study of life, right? Um, bios life is all about just kind of living and doing the stuff, eating, drinking, sleeping, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's the, the motions that we go through to sustain ourselves on a day-to-day -day basis. There's the word suke that's used that, that, um, w that has come into English really translated ultimately psyche. It's the, it's the mental health kind of thing. It's the, it's the stuff that brings you joy and enjoyment and that brings mental health in the way that you think about things. That's the suke kind of life that's described in scripture. And then there's the word zoe in the Greek. And the word zoe describes the life that we have that comes from God that gives meaning to everything that we do. Zoe is, the zoe life is, is the life that goes beyond what we experience here on earth. It's, it's like all the stuff that where there's joy, where there's sadness and disappointment, it's the connection that we have with God where God comforts us and heals us. It's the hope that we have for life beyond this. When Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, um, the, the one who believes in me will live even though he dies, he was saying, I am the resurrection and the Zoe. He wasn't saying, you know what, if you believe in me, uh, you're going to have a physical body that continues to breathe and eat and drink and all those kind of things after you die. Not that wasn't what Jesus was saying at all. Jesus was saying, I'm the resurrection. I'm the one that allows you to be in relationship with my Father for eternity. I'm the resurrection. 
and the, and the Zoe. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the Zoe, and, and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. What Jesus was saying, if you want to have a relationship with God, it comes, it comes through me. I'm the one that can give you, give meaning to what you do. Um, Jesus said in John chapter 10, he said, you know what? Um, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. He, he comes to destroy your, your life. But I come to give you life and give, it, uh, and, and give it to the full. I come to give you Zoe. Why is that important? Why is it important to understand the distinction of those words? It's because this. We can celebrate Christmas this year biologically, right? We can go through the motions, and we can buy presents, and that's great. We can go sing songs. That's great. We can enjoy the lights. That's great. But the reason that Jesus came, was not so that we could experience bios, but so that we could experience Zoe, so that we could experience this life where all of a sudden everything has roots that make sense, that impact all, all that we do, all that we are. G John wrote, in Jesus, in the word, was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness hasn't overcome it. When we experience Zoe life, we begin to reflect the brightness of who Jesus is in the world around us. The, the, the Zoe creates light that dispels darkness. How much darkness does it take to overcome light? It can't, right? You can't just bring in more dark and more dark and more dark. If you've got light, the light drives the dark way. John says the darkness hasn't overcome it. Um, one translation says it hasn't comprehended it. But basically what John says is there's no way that light can contain darkness because, or that darkness can contain light. So that when light shines, it drives the darkness away. If you, if you just think in practical terms, what does light do in our world? You know, when, when you wake up in the morning and you flip a light on, it it um, gives guidance to where we're going to walk. It helps us see danger that's around us. It helps us recognize those Legos that are on the floor, right, that, that could blow your life up in an instant. Um, light, light allows us to see where we're walking when we're outside at night. Um, it's, it's so cool that Scripture, uh, Psalm 119 says, your word is a light to my path, a, a lamp for my feet, light to my path. That, that light allows us to, have to see the direction that God is calling us to walk and to live. Light, when it's focused, can do all kinds of things. Light, as a laser, can sever things, and it can fuse things together. Light can impact our physical bodies. It can heal us. Um, you know, it can, can give us the whole vitamin D thing. It can... Um, it, it can, anybody have the seasonal affective disorder kind of thing that it's like, oh yeah, we live in Michigan, it's going to be cloudy for the next three months. And so you have the lamp, the light, um, at our house we call it the interrogation light that you put up there, you turn it on and all of a sudden there's light that's there that, that opens everything up. Um, a year and a half ago, Deb and I were able to go to Alaska on a trip. It was incredible. And one of the things that surprised me the most, we were there um, over the summer solstice, the, the, the most sunlight 
Um, one of the things that surprised me the most was the size of the fruits and vegetables that grew there because they had 20, 22, 23 hours of sunlight for those plants to take the water and the soil and the air and to grow. And so, you know, you'd have, you'd have green beans and uh, all kinds of things that just grew incredibly large there in Alaska during those summer months. Light provided life for them. At the beginning of the, of the 19th century, there were 334 lighthouses on the Great Lakes. Didn't have GPS. Why were there so many lighthouses? Because a ship on the sea in the dark couldn't tell where there was danger. It didn't know where the rocks were. And when the lighthouses shone their beacon out on the sea, all of a sudden it protected, it preserved those ships. It kept them from wrecking their cargo, from killing their passengers. Jesus came as light into a dark place to allow us, to help us to keep from wrecking our lives. As we've talked uh, over the last three, three months or so about the vision of, of North Point, we've said, you know what, our mission is to help all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. But our vision, our vision in this season is that everybody who calls North Point home would regularly be sharing how Jesus has changed in their life in their sphere of influence. That's our, that's our vision. As we've talked about that for the last several months, the image that we've used has been fog to say, you know what, we, the, lots of people are living in this sense of fog where they can't really see what's going on around them. I, I, I tend to think fog is really cool. I don't know if, if you guys think that or not. You know, when I'm at home and a big fog bank comes in, it's cool. You can't see anything, uh, you know, 10 or 15 feet away from you. Uh, you can't see your neighbor's house. You can't see the street because the fog just envelops you. But the fog isn't nearly as cool when you're driving down the interstate at 60 or 70 miles an hour, right? Because all of a sudden, now you can't see, and it gets pretty dangerous. If you're in a plane that's a, not an instrument-driven plane, but a visual plane of, of, that the pilot has to see what... It's terrifying to drive into a cloud, to drive into the fog, because you don't have a sense of how high you are, how low you are, whether you're going up or up or down. You don't know what obstacles are there. It's incredibly frightening to fly. But when the sun comes up and begins to burn away the fog, and that darkness that's there, that, limit, that limits what we can see, all of a sudden, it begins to clarify. And you begin to recognize the dangers. You begin to recognize the landmarks that, that you see on, on your journey to wherever it is that, that you're going. And as the sun burns away the fog completely, it's like, oh, I know exactly where I am. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. John says Jesus was the life and the light of men. Um, on August 5th, 2010, 20, or 10 years ago, a cave-in occurred at the San Jose Copper Mine in Chile. Most of you probably remember that. 33 men were trapped after the cave-in nearly a half mile below the surface, three miles from the mine's entrance. 
for more than six hours after the cave-in, the dust and the dirt that was in the air uh, limited their ability to see anything that existed in the cave for those 33 guys. There were provisions that they found as, as the dust settled and they began to find their way around. There were provisions that were there that were enough to sustain a small group of people for two or three days. They meticulously divided every bit of food and water that was there in those provisions and had them last um, almost two weeks, uh, 14, 15 days. It wasn't until the 16th day after the cave-in that the drill broke through to where they were and they were able to attach a note that, that said, you know what, 33 of us, still alive, we're doing well, everything's okay. They attached that to the drill, the drill went back out. That was the eighth drilling that the people from the surface had done to try and find out if there were any miners still alive. Eight times. 16 days. Um, 16 days at that point fighting for their lives and hoping against hope. Ultimately, um, it, was, it was more than two months, 69 days, before they were able to bring those miners up through a hole that they had drilled, a shaft that they had created, um, one at a time to the surface. Mario Sepulveda, the group's leader, was the second man, really, the second man brought out of the mine. He described his fear as that capsule hauled him up where, upwards out of darkness, even at that point, not knowing if the mechanism was going to hold him, if they were going to make it out safely or not. On the way out, Sepulveda said, it was terrible, terrible. I screamed. I just wanted to get out to see the light. Jesus came to bring light into a dark place. The prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Matthew, in describing Jesus' life, quotes Isaiah's passage about the light in the darkness about Jesus. Jesus was with God before creation. Jesus was with God during creation. Jesus, Jesus was God. And he came to earth. The purpose of Christmas was so that Jesus could do a recreation in our lives. So that he could take us from bios to Zoe. That he could give meaning to what we do. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus came to take us out of the fog and into the light. He came to answer the question of why we're alive, why we exist, uh, of why, why it is that we survive near-death kind of experiences. That's why Jesus came. He came to bring light into our darkness, light into every corner of our worlds so that we would reflect his light out into the world. That's why Jesus said, you are the light of the world. It doesn't make any sense to have this light and put it under a box. The light's there to shine. 
The birth of Jesus was to bring us light and life. But that light and life in us is designed to impact the world. That's what Christmas is all about. It's not about hoarding that light. You know, when I was a kid, I, that you probably experienced this. When I was a kid, we celebrated Christmas with our family and um, uh, every other year with all of my cousins, all my, on my mom's side of the family. So we were there, my four siblings, my mom and dad, the seven of us, my aunt and uncle and their two daughters, that was four more, my other aunt and her husband, Aunt Linda and Uncle John, uh, that was two more, and my, um, my grandfather, Poppy, and, uh, and then my Aunt Jody and Uncle Dick, and their six kids. We all sat in our living room and opened presents together. And I don't know if this is your, your tradition or not, but we opened presents one at a time. And I went around, everybody watched to see who got what, who it came from, celebrated that. And that was great when I was a kid. You know, there's 22 of us sitting around celebrating Christmas. It was great fun. We'd start at 8.30, would finish, you know, before lunchtime, somewhere in there. It was a really cool thing. But as a kid, I remember thinking it wasn't so cool once we all got married, you know, and the, the group just kind of multiplied. Um, I remember as a kid looking at all the presents under the tree and thinking, oh, I wish they were all mine all mine. I want them all. But as I grew older, I realized that if all the presents were for me, there, were no present, there would be no presents for my cousins, Jeff, Paul, and Tom. If all the presents were for me, there would be no presents for Poppy, for Aunt Lynn and Uncle John, no presents for my sisters. When we celebrate Christmas this year, it's not just for us. Jesus came to bring light and life into the world, and we need to reflect that. John, late in his life, after he had written the gospel, he wrote this in a letter to the church. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life, concerning Jesus. The life appeared. We've seen it. We testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, Zoe, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Christmas, why Jesus come? To bring light to the world, not just to your house. May it be your prayer this Christmas that God would use you somehow to reflect that light into places of darkness that don't know Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the power of your word. God, for, for um, the light that shines into our souls, into our heads and into our hearts, and all of a sudden changes us. God, do your work in us this, this Christmas. Mold us, shape us. God, use us as mirrors to reflect your light around. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Hey, we want to finish with one song that just kind of ties all this together. Let's, let's stand together and sing.
us. We give you all the praise and glory this morning. Go and have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.